Again, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, if you're not already there, turn there. This morning we are continuing our, our new study through the book of Ephesians, and today we're beginning a series of studies where we're going to be learning from Paul's praise to God in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Um, and in part one today, we're really just going to be camping out in one verse, in verse three, because this verse is going to sort of set the foundation. It's going to help us have the confidence and the perspective that we're going to need to approach the rest of the verses that we're going to tackle in the next few weeks. But just for some brief context of what we've looked at so far, We've spent the last three weeks really setting the stage for our studies in the book of Ephesians. We've looked at who wrote the book, who was written to, we, what we know about the city and people of Ephesus. We uh, spent time in those first three weeks uh, digging into Acts chapter 19, where uh, we gained insight into uh, what was going on at that point in history, at that point in the early work of, of the Spirit of God through the church of God in the world um, there in the first century, uh, what God was doing there through the ministry of Paul and then through the ministry of the disciples, the people, the church that, that Jesus began there in the city of Ephesus. We saw some of the people who ended up comprising the church, uh, what they were saved out of, what the environment was like that they were now having to live out their Christianity in the midst of, in that spiritually dark city of Ephesus. And, and we considered even last week where uh, Paul wrote this letter from, when he wrote it, why he wrote it, what the key themes and, and message of this letter are, and then uh, ended our time last week looking at this powerful and important uh, greeting that Paul gives in verse 2 of, of grace and peace. And with having made it through Paul's opening greeting in verses 1 and 2, we're, we're going to start to dig into the beginning of the first half of Paul's letter. As I said last week, we can sort of evenly divide the letter uh, to the church of Ephesus in half. The first three chapters predominantly dealing with doctrine, the calling of the church, the second half of the book, chapters 4 through 6, dealing with uh, predominantly with application, the conduct of the church. And so we're now kind of getting into that doctrinal section that's going to take us all the way through the end of chapter 3. Uh, but with that reminder of where we're at, I want us to read verses 3 through 14. We're going to read all of it in one breath without stopping. I had a friend in, you know, in high school. When you're in high school, you just... Some, I don't know why some things just sound really funny to you. And so my friend Greg and I, we would try, let's see who can read the most in a section of a book in one breath. And then at the end, you're just, no words are even coming out. It's just a little, <laughs> and um, so that's what I thought of when I thought about this, because the way this is actually written in the Greek language is it's one long sentence with no stops. From verse 3 all the way to verse 14. I was just kidding about doing it in one breath. I'm going to breathe. Hopefully you will as well. So let's go. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him, verse 13, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I like the introduction that uh, Pastor H.B. Charles Jr. gave on this section. He wrote this. He said, in the original Greek, these 12 verses comprise only one sentence, even though no English versions translate it that way. In some remarkable way, this complex passage was one simple exclamation of praise in Paul's mind. And this high praise is offered to Almighty God for the sovereign grace by which he gives sinful people a new position in Christ. Verses 4 through 6, uh, praise God the Father for choosing us for salvation. Verses 7 through 12, praise God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for purchasing our salvation with his own lifeblood. And verses 13 and 14, praise God the Holy Spirit for sealing our salvation. This passage, he says, is a careful explanation of the God-centered, God-exalting nature of the Christian message of salvation. But this explanation begins with a celebration. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I want us to understand something right from the get-go. The the blessings that Paul details for us in verses 3 through 14 are not meant to trip you and me up. They're they're not meant to cause us to get puffed up with some spiritual pride or self-righteousness. Not meant to drive us to separate from one another into different theological factions. Not meant to bring division and strife and disunity in the church. 
Paul didn't write this thinking, oh man, I'm really gonna get these people worked up. People are gonna start dividing. They're gonna call themselves by different names and there's gonna be different denominational ties and, and they're not gonna be able to get along and they're gonna point the finger at each other like, oh man, I'm just excited about what is gonna happen through this. Like that wasn't Paul's heart. All of the deep theological doctrinal truths that are found in these verses should lead us to do the same thing it led Paul to do, which is to praise and worship our God. To rejoice in who he is and what he's done for us and what he's done in us and what he said to us and what he said about us. See, if our takeaway as we study these verses over the next few weeks isn't primarily us wanting to bless, to praise, to worship the Lord and be in awe of our Lord, we are missing the point of why these verses are here for us as saints, those who are in Christ. Have you ever thought about it when you've come to this section of verses? I didn't really think about that as much before I started studying to teach it, that I would come to this section of verses with that sort of mindset because Paul didn't present this as an argument to be debated. He presented it as an offering to praise of praise to God that us as the church would go, oh man, he is really that good. Right? And, and how many times have we come to a passage of Scripture and our takeaway is just like, we're worked up in knots. We're just, we're like all worked up over it. I don't know how, what to make. And there's things in God's word that just aren't going to fully make sense. It doesn't mean we don't seek to make sense of it. It doesn't mean we don't pray through it and study and seek to understand. But there are things, because you and I are finite beings, that on this side of heaven, we're just not going to fully understand that are not meant to have us go, well then, Lord, I just, I don't get it. And it just causes us to turn inward or turn away from the Lord. All of that misunderstanding or lack of understanding even is, is meant actually in us to turn us towards God in praise. Because you know what that means to us? God really is that much greater than you and me. His ways are past finding out. His knowledge truly is unsearchable. Because if you and I could get everything, God wouldn't be God anymore. Something else I want to point out here before we move on, just some key words or phrases that we we've probably already picked up on even as we read through that whole section is that the phrase in Christ or in him or in himself is used a combined total of nine times in those verses we just read. Jesus is referred to as, as Jesus Christ or Christ a combined total of five times in these verses. The will of God 
Something that you and I maybe have gotten all worked up about in the past. Paul just, with complete ease in his praise, he mentions the will of God three separate times in these verses. And the terms predestined, redemption, and grace are each referenced two separate times in these verses. But all of it is in the context, again, of Paul praising our God. And there's a lot we're going to learn from Paul's praise in these verses today in the next few weeks. So again, verse 3, let's dig in here. Paul begins this section by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul use, uh, Paul's use of the word blessed to begin verse 3 in the Greek means to be worthy of praise. Paul is starting this by saying, God, you are worthy of praise. God, you're worthy. You alone are worthy, God, of praise. Which again makes it clear that the context for all the deep and rich doctrine that we find in verses 3 through 14, again, is not Paul seeking to make an argument or to cause people to divide over theological differences, but that these things are really Paul just praising God for all that he's done for us. Paul in these verses is worshiping the Lord. He's praising and blessing God in response to the truth, the spiritual reality that our God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul is praising, he's worshiping the Father in response to who he is, what he's done, and what he said. I I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon here. He wrote this, he said, Our thanks are due to God for all temporal blessings. They are more than we deserve. But our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs for our spiritual blessings. He says, A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is blessed, infinitely more blessed than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. He says these are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. And yet, how easy it is, is it, you know, a new coat in Charles Spurgeon's day, maybe a little bit different, like, comparison for us in our day. But to think about that, how many times have we gotten something, and we're just, like, stoked about this thing, and then we consider some of the spiritual blessings that have been listed for us in God's Word, preserved for us here, and we're kind of like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
these, this sort of perspective, even that Charles Spurgeon just spoke into, it requires us to have a spiritual, heavenly, biblical perspective. We need a different sort of lens to see the true value of the spiritual blessings and then be able to praise our God for them. Because you know what? When our perspective is primarily temporal and fleshly and we're just looking at the here and now and we're looking at what we have and we're looking at what we want to get and what we hope to attain and and that's all that our minds are immersed with. You and I start to go, well, that's the real riches. That's the real blessings. And then we get the thing that we wanted to get. We attain the the status that we wanted to attain. And eventually, you know what that thing shows itself to be? Temporary. Not maybe all we thought it was going to be. The new car doesn't stay new, does it? Poor Josh Dean took his truck. We went off-roading, not to bring up bad memories, but we had a great time. But all the brush that we drove through, just scratching up his car, and, and it's just like, things don't stay new, right? Sorry, Josh, bringing back bad memories, but we had, again, great time. But things don't stay that way. The new coat, what happens if you leave it in your closet long enough? Moths get to it and holes and you snag it on something, you spill food on it. Maybe you, Jared, I don't spill food on my coat. I need a different sort of perspective. I need God to give me an elevated view of what's really important in this life. And so do you. And some of that, it just, you know what it, it requires us to do? It just, we continually are coming back to the Lord going, God, sort of reset my perspective today. Help me to see things with an eternal perspective today. Lord, help me, help me to, to, to value the things that you value greater and of more infinite worth than the things that, that the, the people of this world are valuing or, or what the voices of this world are telling us are the real riches because they're not. They're not gonna last. You're not taking them into eternity. It's not happening. You can put all your riches in your coffin. It's not making any difference. But man, when we understand who God is, when we understand what we've been given, when, we, when we're reminded of what he said to us in his word, you know what we'll find in our own lives is we'll start to do the same thing that Paul did, which is to worship God as a response of who he is and what he's done. And I need to be reminded of who the Lord is because I forget I need to be reminded of what he's done because I can forget. You can forget. I need to be reminded of what he said in his word. It 
the more that we get to know who our God is, the more that we're acquainted with who he is and what he's done and what he said, man, we'll find our worship life begin to increase. See, our our worship life isn't just Sunday morning. At least it shouldn't be. Our worship life isn't just when we have time to sing to the Lord. That is part of it. But what about just the state of our heart before the Lord in the normal rhythms of our life? What about in the quietness of our minds when we lay our head down on our pillow? What about when we're in the midst of our work and we're thinking about God? And we're we're thanking him as things are happening. We're thanking him. We're communing with him. We're praying to him. Man, there's a worship life that's to encompass every bit of our lives that primarily happens as a response. It's a response because God is already who he is. He's already done what he's done. He's doing what he's going to do. He he said what he said in his word. And you and I, as we are reminded, as we learn, as we grow in all of these things, man, it just, what's again, what's the right response? God, bless you. Blessed are you, Lord. Worthy of praise to just worship, worship our God. You know the point of Bible study? is not to make us Bible nerds. It's not purely academic. You ever met somebody that knows Scripture? They know it here? Oh, thank you. But, man, there's so much more to learn. They they know it intellectually. But then you look at their life and there's like, that, that knowledge in the head has never drifted down into the heart. It's never actually affected change in the person's life. Bible study is not for the purpose of becoming academically and and intellectually just sharpened in the word. It should affect us intellectually. We're to love the Lord our God with with all of our mind. That is part of it. But more so, that the the knowledge that we're taking in, the, the way that we're communing with God in his word as we seek to abide in Jesus, that that those things would affect our hearts, that we would know him not just intellectually, but we would know him experientially. That we would love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We would worship him supremely. And so, get into the word. If you don't already, if that's not already a normal spiritual discipline in your life make it one even if it's five minutes get into the word god will take as much time as you and i give him right and god wants to affect change in our lives wants to transform us and empower us but but what kind of father is God the Father, as Paul is 
starting off this section here referencing the Father. Well, Jesus in Matthew 7 said, Our Father in heaven loves to give good things to his children. These are continued blessings as we seek him. But added to that, Paul here tells us that the Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Uh, Check out this quote from William MacDonald. He said this about this verse. He said, Notice first how unstinted are his heart and hand, every spiritual blessing. Notice, too, that these are spiritual blessings. The simplest way to explain this is to contrast them with the blessings of Israel under the law. In the Old Testament, a faithful, obedient Jew was rewarded with long life, a large family, abundant crops, and protection from his enemies. He mentions Deuteronomy 28, verses 2 through 8. He says the blessings of Christianity, in contrast, are spiritual. That is, they deal with treasures that are non-material, invisible, and imperishable. It is true that the Old Testament saints also enjoyed some spiritual blessings, but as we shall see, the Christian today enjoys blessings that were unknown in previous times. Our blessings are in the heavenly places, literally, in the heavenlies. Instead of being material blessings in earthly places, he says, they are spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. God the Father loves to bless his children. And the radical nature of how much he loves to bless us is seen in him blessing us with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Not a few, not part of it, not some of it, every spiritual blessing what does this tell us that we are already blessed like really really supremely blessed already and this is really important for us to understand because emotionally or mentally we might not feel all the time or think all the time that we are very blessed You ever felt like God has withheld his blessing from your life? You know why we oftentimes get to that place? We're looking at what God's done in someone else's life and we're comparing. Or or we have this ideal in our minds of what, what it looks like to really be blessed. And because we're not there, man, God must not have blessed us. You know, materially or monetarily, what we have or own or or how much is in our bank account might not add up in our estimation or the world's estimation to a place where we might say, I'm blessed. Presently, practically, situationally, things might not look outwardly to us all the time. Like we're blessed. 
the state of our physical health. And any health struggles we might experience at times might cause us to not feel very blessed. But none of those things are an accurate indicator for us to use to determine whether we are blessed by the Father or not. I just want to say that again because I I want us to grab a hold of that this morning. None of those things I just mentioned are an accurate indicator for us to use to determine whether we're blessed by the Father or not. So how do we know if we're blessed? Well, we know that we're blessed because our Heavenly Father has told us that we are. But is that enough for us? Is it enough for us to to read here that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ? Or are we going, that's great. That's really, really great. I'm really thankful for that. But I'd really feel blessed, Lord, if you did this. If you gave me this, if this thing worked out, if I got this job, if I got this promotion, if I had this amount of money in my bank account, if this relational uh, dynamic was, was finally mended, if, if this or this or this or this, then, Lord, I would be able to stand in confidence in this verse. This verse is to be enough. The word of God is meant to be, should be enough for you and me to rest today and say, thank you, Lord. That's enough. Lord, the the promise that you've blessed me with every spiritual blessing, Lord, that's enough. And Lord, if I start to get to that place where I'm going, but yeah, Lord, and this, and yeah, Lord, if this, Lord, just rein me in. Help me to get my eyes off of the things of this world and off of the things that are distracting me and the things that I am elevating to an unhealthy place. And Lord, help me to just look to you and see that, Lord, you truly are sufficient. Your blessings are enough. The spiritual blessings, Lord, that you said that you've already given me, Lord, they're enough. See, in order for us to really embrace the joy and confidence of that declared state of blessing, we have to remind ourselves that the blessings are primarily spiritual. Not that God doesn't or won't bless us in situational or material or financial or physical ways also, but none of those things are actually promised to us by the Lord. Those are things that we falsely put on God. It's an expectation that we put on God that he hasn't given us the promise of in his word. But these blessings are primarily spiritual because spiritual blessings can be received and enjoyed inwardly no matter what's going on with us outwardly 
or situationally or materially or financially or relationally or emotionally or physically? And I think a good follow-up question for us to consider then is, why why is it so easy for us to have a wrong or inflated view of, of physical or temporal types of blessings that don't last and that pale in comparison with the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. To ask God, Lord, put your finger on those things in my life, Lord, where I've done that wrongly. And God, get me to that place, Lord, where I see the spiritual blessings as far greater than anything that I could have on this side of heaven in this physical, temporal realm. You know, praise God that the spiritual blessings the Father has given us are not affected by how things are going economically or politically or culturally or nationally or governmentally or any of those things that often make make such a big impact in this physical realm because our blessings are secure for us in the heavenly places in Christ. I like what... Bible commentator Warren Wearsby said about this. He said the Christian really operates in two spheres, the human and the divine, the visible and the invisible. Physically, he is on the earth in a human body, but spiritually, he is seated with Christ in the heavenly sphere, and it is this heavenly sphere that provides the power and direction for the earthly walk. That the President of the United States is not always seated at his desk in the White House, he says, but that executive chair represents the sphere of his life and power. No, no matter where he is, he is the President, because only he has the privilege of sitting at that desk. Likewise with the Christian, no matter where he may be on this earth, he is seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ, and this is the basis of his life and power. Guys, there is more going on in this life than just what we see in this physical realm. Because there is an unseen spiritual realm, and in that spiritual realm is the heavenly places. Again, literally, the heavenlies where Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for you and me. And for those of us who have been saved by the blood of Jesus, because of his salvation and all that we've been blessed with by the Father, positionally, positionally, because of the work of Christ for us and in us, we are in Christ. And that position we've been given is what guarantees all the spiritual blessings we're told are already ours. This means we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to enjoy these blessings. It means that we don't have to try and earn God's favor so that he'll finally give us These blessings. No, these blessings have already been given to us as a result of his 
amazing grace. And as we see here, and we'll continue to see in verses 4 through 14, each person of the triune Godhead is involved in the blessings that we've been given. God is fully involved in all that he's given to us in Christ. So how do we know if we're blessed? If we are in Christ. If we've been made a new creation in Christ. If we've had our debt paid in full, our sins forgiven by Jesus Christ, if we have received the salvation and righteousness of Jesus Christ, you and I are in Christ. That means our spiritual reality is that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So what should our response be? Like Paul our response to this knowledge of our spiritual reality should be praise, worship to our God, awe and adoration. I got British for a second or something. Awe and adoration for our God who didn't owe us any of these spiritual blessings. But because of his grace has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ in spite of us being undeserving and unworthy of these blessings. He did it because he loves us. He did it because he's a good father, an amazing father who loves to bless his kids And we're going to see some specific ways we've been blessed spiritually as we make our way through this section of verses in chapter 1 in the next few weeks. But we, we have to make sure we have this foundation set firmly in our hearts and minds today. That if you and I are in Christ, we've already been blessed. We've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You and I aren't missing out. We are not any of us second-hand, second-rate, second-class children of God. Every spiritual blessing is for you and me. And with that foundation, would we fix our attention and our heart's affection on our God? Praising him, worshiping him, blessing him because he's worthy of all praise and honor and glory, both now and forever. And with our anniversary service today, I just want to praise and exalt our God who has blessed us. Yes, in physical and practical sorts of ways. Man, I have some stories I could tell you. Maybe next year in our 10th, we'll go a little bit more into that. But more so in spiritual ways, these past nine years, he's blessed us with his presence. He's been with us always. I remember before we moved up here to plant the church, reading 
about Moses being encouraged by Moses' interactions with, with God as God was telling him, you're going to lead the people, you know, you're going to lead all these people, these million and a half or so people, and, <laughs> but I'm not going to go with you because they're stubborn, they're stiff-necked, and if I go with you, they're all going to be destroyed. And Moses is like, Lord, if you're not with us, I don't want to go. Don't send me. And I just remember thinking like, God, you've not made any promise of what you're going to do once we get here. He didn't promise us that the church was going to be added to in, the, in, in a numeric sort of way. He didn't promise us that we would be in a secure place to meet each week. He didn't promise that there'd be all these amazing servants who would be serving. You know what he promised? I will be with you always even to the end of the age. And that had to be enough. It had to be enough. He's blessed us with his faithfulness. God has never not made good on a promise that he's made in his word. Every single time he said something in his word, he's brought it to pass, and he will. He's done that here. He's blessed us with his grace and peace, and strength, and comfort, because man, there have been ups and downs that we've gone through along the way. That's not even, that's, that's apart from the COVID years. God has been gracious. He's comforted. He's strengthened. He's given peace. He's given wisdom. He's given vision. God has done it. He's blessed us as his church in so many ways these past nine years. And for who our Lord is, for all that he's done, for all that he's still doing and will yet do, and for all that he said in his word, the right response of his people, of us today and every day, is to praise, is to worship, is to bless our God. Now the worship team come back up. We're going to learn more from Paul's praise to God next week. In closing, you know, for those of us who are in Christ, I encourage each of us this morning to rest in and rejoice in the truths that we've considered. Maybe you came in not feeling very blessed. Maybe emotionally, Mentally, you're like, I didn't come in here feeling like God's blessed me with every spiritual blessing. Maybe you're, you like, during the service, you pulled open your bank app and you looked and you're like, wow, I'm not feeling incredibly blessed by the amount I'm seeing there. Maybe you're looking at what you have and you're going, I don't necessarily, that's not the indicator. But today, would we just be able to, with confidence, as the people of God, just go, Lord, if you've said it, it's true. It's true. It's more true, Lord. What your word says is more true than how I feel. It's more true than what I have. It's more true than what's in my bank account. It's more true than what's happening in my body physically, whether that's through uh, disease or sickness or maybe just the decay of our bodies as we age. What God says is more true than all of that. Rest in him today. Be confident in who the Lord is, 
what he's done, what he said. Let's stand firmly in the promise of God's word that if we're in Christ, we could not be more blessed already. Isn't that an amazing thing? But look, if you don't know Jesus personally this morning, all this that we've looked at, God's going, I want that to be true for you too. Don't leave this morning going, well, like, that's great for them. Look at they've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, but I don't know where that puts me. I don't know where that leaves me. To know this morning that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he paid the penalty for your sin just as much as he did for mine, so that you could also be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of your own, but the righteousness that's been given to you by Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith in him. So I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning. If that's you and you're going like, I, I, I need Jesus. I need his salvation. I, I need my sins to be forgiven. I want to be made new in Christ. I want all these spiritual blessings to be mine. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand where you are so I can pray for you? If you're going, that's, that's me. And I know lights are on, eyes are open. I know that. What am I asking? I'm, I'm asking you to make a bold move. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus said, look, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father and all of the holy angels. Is that anybody today? And you're going, that's me. Maybe some of us today are just going like, I didn't walk in feeling very blessed. And even at this morning, moment, I'm, I'm fighting to rest in and be confident about what we've looked at. I want to pray for you this morning, if that's you, that just the Lord would minister to your heart in such a way, getting your eyes upon him in such a way where you truly will find yourself with that kind of eternal heavenly perspective, that kind of trust and rest in the Lord. That regardless of what's going on around you or to you or happening inside of you, even physically, that you this morning would be able to say with confidence and in a, in a spirit of worship, Lord, thank you, you have blessed me. And so God, I pray for your people this morning. Lord, you know where each is at. That God, maybe practically, situationally, physically, monetarily, materially, relationally, emotionally, Lord, maybe this morning they're struggling to just rest in this truth, Lord, this spiritual reality, Lord, that you are telling us here that, Father, you have blessed us. You've already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Secure for us in the heavenly places because we are in Christ. Lord, would you minister to their hearts? God, would you weed out those things, God, that are causing 
them to view you or to, to view your blessings or to view what's going on in their lives through the wrong kind of lens, Lord, a temporal sort of lens. And God, this morning, would you impart to your people, Lord, a, a heavenly, eternal, spiritual perspective on everything in life. But Lord, specifically even this morning, on this, this declared state of blessing, to rest in you today, Lord, to rejoice in you today, Lord, to, to stand confidently, Lord, in you today. God, thank you that you have blessed us, that you love to bless, Lord, that you're an amazing father. Jesus, thank you for securing those blessings for us by giving your life for us. That by your spirit, Lord, you have, you have uh, made those things true for us, Lord, in, in reality, Lord, practically and presently and eternally, Lord, as your spirit has come to live inside of us and sealed us for the day of redemption. Lord, would we respond to your word this morning with just an overflow of praise. Lord, because you are worthy. You alone, Lord, are worthy. And God, if there's anybody that's walked in here and they haven't put their faith in you, and, and maybe, Lord, they just felt timid to raise their hand, God, you know them. You see them. Lord, this morning in their own hearts, God, would they just humble themselves before you, Lord, would they confess, Lord, their sin to you. Repent, Lord, of their sin. They turn away from it. They, they turn in faith to Jesus this morning, asking you, Jesus, to be their Savior, to be their Lord, to forgive them of their sins, to make them a new creation in Christ Jesus. Lord, that today they would be able to embrace this truth for themselves as they enter into a new relationship with you, Lord God. We thank you, Father. We love you again. We bless you for nine years, Lord. Celebrate you, God, your goodness. We continue, Lord, in this attitude of praise now as we sing these songs, Lord, as we take of the communion elements. As we get prayer, prayer be prayed for this morning. God, continue to move in our midst. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.